America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day with some good news from the Fed juicing the stock market on the way up. That's a good thing. The uh, House of Representatives has passed a bill to avoid a railroad strike. Now it needs to go to the Senate. Uh, that's uh, astonishing. Uh, 79 Republicans voted for the measure and eight Democrats voted against it. Uh, so it passed 290 to 137. Uh, there is more ramifications about the uh, guilty verdict on the uh, seditious conspiracy charges against Stuart Rhodes, the leader and the founder of the Oath Keepers. And there are more cases to come. There's also a prescription about what is broken about American politics. Most people have the idea that it's broken. They're not quite sure why. But one of the reasons why, says Walter Shapiro, is the voters have never been more evenly divided. And what that leads to is an, a complete tidal wave, not a red wave or a blue wave, but a wave of negative advertising, $17 billion, far more than ever before for a midterm election, were spent on midterm ads, and nearly all of them extraordinarily negative. Uh, how about some of those negative ads which have been uh, cannonading into Herschel Walker as he's trying to carry the ball down the field and to pick up a Republican seat in uh, the U.S. Senate? Well, we will get to that and where that is going. It appears to be tied. There was also another vote in the House today, a vote by Democrats about a new leader. It is being called historic. Is it? We will get to that as well. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. The, uh, the news today is from the Republican National Committee. We're giving in to uh, a lot of uh, concerns that have been expressed by Republicans all across the board. I mean, people who are very pro-Trump, people who are very pro-DeSantis, people who want the party to take a more conservative position across the country or want a more mid middle-of-the-road position across the country. All of that is going on, and uh, now the announcement, uh, as covered by Politico just hours ago, the Republican National Committee is launching a review of the party's performance in the midterm election and bringing on a team of outside advisors to help guide strategy as the GOP reckons with its disappointing performance in the election. The RNC is tapping nearly a dozen people to serve in what it's calling a Republican Party Advisory Council, a group that includes former Donald Trump White House advisor Kellyanne Conway, uh, evangelical leader Tony Perkins, who, by the way, has been very critical of the Republican National Committee for a while for not being uh, cooperative enough with a, a conservative Christian agenda. But Tony Perkins will be on this advisory council and a pair of Senate candidates who ran this year. And uh, actually, one of them made it and one election. A Republican officials say they are moving to address broader concerns confronting the GOP in the wake of the midterms when the party underperformed expectations in a political environment many felt was to their advantage. The uh, chair of the RNC, Ronna McDaniel, 
said in a statement announcing the advisory council, quote, as we assess the midterms and plan for 2024, we are gathering a diverse range of respected leaders in our movement to join together and help chart a winning course in the years to come. I am thrilled that this talented group of Republicans will be shoulder to shoulder with us as we work to grow our party, hold Democrats accountable, and elect Republicans. Okay? The uh, launch of the group comes as McDaniel, the longest-serving RNC chair in more than a century, moves to fight off a potential leadership challenge. A New York representative, Lee Zeldin, who waged an unsuccessful campaign for governor, has said he is seriously considering running against McDaniel and has been reaching out to RNC members in anticipation of a campaign. Uh, the list of uh, members for this advisory council includes Senator-elect Katie Britt of Alabama, who um, was a real bright spot for Republicans. It was very fortunate that she, instead of Mo Brooks, won the nomination in Alabama. A Texas representative-elect, uh, Monica De La Cruz, who has the advantage of being both female and Latina, two areas where the Republicans continue to uh, work for growth and for a more competitive posture. And uh, also John James, another bright spot for Republicans. Republicans did terribly in Michigan. Uh, they lost both houses of the state legislature. They uh, lost the governor's race. They lost the attorney general's race. A big Gretch, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, because the Democrats did so well, has emerged as a real candidate for president of the United States, assuming that Joe Biden pulls out of the race. But in any event, uh, John James uh, won, and he won his congressional seat. He had run for U.S. Senate before. He is a, uh, a very bright star in the rising Republican horizon, black Republican who hails, as they say in Politico, from uh, McDaniel's home state of Michigan. The panel will also include former Arizona Senate candidate Blake Masters. Why? He ran behind his entire ticket. And, and maybe the idea of putting in Blake Masters is that he ran in Arizona where uh, the, the most destructive tendency in the Republican Party, in my opinion, is right now the term election denier. And for uh, when you talk about... Uh, what is going on there with uh, the Senate race, it's, it's appalling because uh, her, when, when you talk about the uh, uh, Katy Perry, the, Katie, uh, her determination to overturn the election and not to accept and to demanding a new election in Arizona is exactly what they need to change. And uh, what you see with Blake Masters is he is one candidate, statewide candidate in Arizona, who uh, has been very accepting of the fact that he lost. He lost by about five points, so it wasn't really that close. In a statement announcing his new role, uh, Tony Perkins made clear that he was with the McDaniel camp. Americans of faith are the heartbeat of the Republican vote, he said. I have witnessed firsthand how Chairwoman McDaniel understands this, and I am thrilled to continue to work with her to advance these core values. Uh, there is um, uh, a uh, 
new Henry Barber, a Mississippi RNC committee, who's the nephew of ex-RNC chair Haley Barber of Mississippi. He uh, was also a co-author of the post-2012 election RNC autopsy when the party moved to address concerns about messaging and strategy following Mitt Romney's loss to Barack Obama in the presidential contest. Now, one of the things they came out with, which is um, uh, in, in that autopsy, was an emphasis on uh, more appeal to Latino voters. That is being achieved. There is no question that in the uh, last couple of election cycles, in 2020 and 2022, Republicans did better, were much more competitive with Latino voters. That is as much a reflection of Democratic nonsense and mistakes and malfeasance as it is of anything brilliant about the Republicans. But if you have any thoughts of your own that you want to contribute, but in other words, what does the Republican Party need to do differently or to emphasize more or maybe to emphasize less in order to win victories in 2024 and on into the future? Your thoughts? 1-800-955-1776. We'll be right back with more on the situation in Arizona and elsewhere. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer On the Michael Medved Show with the Republican National Committee undertaking an entire new investigation of a, a new agenda. Uh, one of the points about the new agenda should be to avoid headlines like the uh, recent headline at Vox.com. Uh, the headline proclaims Carrie Lake's lonely and deeply absurd quest to challenge the Arizona election results. What makes the, the quest uh, deeply absurd is it has no path for victory. In other words, if if you um, uh, generally, actually, we knew someone like this uh, years ago. Um, there was a case of uh, somebody, a very successful business person, who had some psychiatric problems that developed later in life, and became convinced that he could fly. And he wanted to go up on top of one of the tallest buildings in town. This was in Southern California. And, uh, and, and thought he would go up to the top floor and then jump off and show people that he could fly. And eventually it had a pretty happy ending because he was convinced that it would be more impressive if he showed people he could fly from the ground up rather than fly with the help of gravity in a fatal fall from the top of a building to the bottom. But uh, this is really one of those things. How does Carrie Lake fly on this one? When the evidence is overwhelming and everyone else has basically agreed to this, except for Carrie Lake and Donald Trump, he has said she should be installed. That was the term he used. 
who's going to install her. She should be installed as the new governor of Arizona. I understand he, he, he supported her, but the official vote tally, which is now complete, and it is certified all across the state, uh, the only part that is not certified is Cochise County, which has uh, some 47,000 voters of millions in Arizona, and they are supposed to certify on Friday. Uh, the Katie Hobbs, the Democratic candidate, won the election by 17,116 votes. And the, the difficulty with everything that Carrie Lake is saying is that it could get her supporters riled up, but for what purpose? In other words, if if there is literally nothing you can do legally because all of the legal steps have, have gone forward, it says in the uh, piece over at Vox that Lake is getting help in her quest from Trump, who posted on Truth Social uh, Monday that Lake should be installed as governor of Arizona. And he baselessly claimed that she was the victim of a, quote, criminal voting operation involving broken voting machines in Republican districts, drawing a parallel to his false claims about his own 2020 loss. Lake became a key Trump ally during her campaign, and she has been floated as a potential 2024 running mate for Trump, who announced his candidacy just weeks ago. Uh, the um, President Trump wrote, this is almost as bad as the 2020 presidential election, which the unselect committee refuses to touch because they know it was fraudulent and fraudulent with a capital F. As to whether she is planning on abandoning her claims anytime soon, Lake seemed to suggest that she never will. She wrote Monday that, quote, the fake news ignores our fake elections and expects us to just move on. We won't. Uh, ahead of Election Day, Lake repeatedly dodged questions about whether she would concede the governor's race if she lost, saying, I'm going to win the election and I will accept a result. And uh, that she'd only accept a, quote, fair, honest and transparent result. During the primary, she said she would challenge the results if she lost because it would have indicated, quote, there's some cheating going on. And before the race was called, she suggested that Arizona election officials were intentionally dragging their feet on releasing the results while still declaring, I am 100 uh, percent going to win. The uh, uh, she said Lake has said that had she been governor at the time, she would never have certified the 2020 vote for Biden, saying that it was corrupt, rotten and rigged. She even filed a lawsuit, which she has since been dismissed by a federal judge that made false claims about issues with vote counting machines and sought to require Arizona officials to tabulate the 2022 ballots by hand. Uh, I mean, it's just OK. The, the point is, why is this a good idea? How does this help the Republican Party? Does it not make the Republican Party uh, look and sound ridiculous and irresponsible. Uh, here is a uh, new headline of the latest, latest Arizona set for legal battles after officials in a rural Arizona county refused to certify election results by a legally mandated deadline. They now face two lawsuits, likely court intervention to force their vote and potential criminal penalties. The rare, likely illegal move by the officials in Cochise County 
uh, sets up uh, quick court battles as state officials race to certify the election statewide, a process set for 5th of December. Candidates and outside parties wishing to sue over the election results await these final results before their court cases can commence. Two statewide races will require recounts, which cannot start until the statewide certification. Two Republican county su supervisors in Cochise County voted to delay the certification until Friday, though the deadline for Arizona counties to certify results was the 28th of November. So two days ago, they cited already answered questions over tabulation machines when pushing off the vote. The third supervisor, a Democrat, voted to uh, certify the results. The, uh, when the Republican Party uh, looks at um, what could be done better, it's pretty clear that election deniers, people who made a big issue of saying that they weren't going to accept the results of the election of 2020, uh, those people did very badly in the election at large. People who were deeply, deeply committed to that idea, including Kelly Chewbacca in Alaska and uh, Carrie Lake in Arizona, and uh, so many other people, uh, General Don Bolduc in, uh, in New Hampshire was running for Senate. All these people got wiped out. Uh, the uh, Doug Mastriano in uh, Pennsylvania was running for governor. He lost in a historic landslide. He lost by more than 10 points to Josh Shapiro, the Democrat. If the Republicans want to make themselves look cranky, irrelevant and on the fringe, then association with this kind of election denialism, uh, I mean, really, do you think Sidney Powell has a lot of respect right now? How's Rudy Giuliani doing in terms of his, um, his basic relevance in the political system? A uh, Republican reboot, which is what they're talking about, has to put aside some of the groundless obsessions with alleged voter fraud. If you uh, disagree with that, you can give us a call, 1-800-955-1776. We'll be right back. The Michael Medved Show, michaelmedved.com. This is fame, bro. Like, bro. This is the Michael Medved Show. And uh, there's more about Carrie Lake, a uh, breaking news story from Raw Story. She was on with Steve Bannon uh, yesterday. Steve Bannon, the former advisor, aide to President Trump, uh, pardoned by President Trump in a charges of fraud regarding his We Build the Wall private funding for a wall project that never got made, but the funds found their way into boats and cars and living expenses for the proprietors of that activity. But uh, with uh, uh, Steve Bannon, Carrie Lake, the Republican candidate for Arizona governor, as reported on the Raw Story, encouraged county supervisors to break the law to ensure that her opponent, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, is not certified as the winner of the 2022 election. 
Uh, during an interview yesterday, the uh, right-wing podcast host Bannon asked Lake if she could prove that the election had been stolen. Lake argued the election fraud was indisputable. She referred to one video clip of one county supervisor saying that he faced legal action for threatening not to certify Hobbs' victory. And she says this is a time for Americans, for our zones, to stand up. I saw in Mojave County with Ron Gould on the Board of Supervisors, he said, I'm doing this, I'm certifying this under duress. The candidate argued that uh, certification could not stand up in court if it were done under duress, but I wish that everybody would say, you know what, arrest me then, I don't care. We need people with courage to say, class what felony, go ahead, go for it, arrest me because this is a botched election and you're disenfranchising the folks in Mojave County when you allow this kind of election in Maricopa County to stand. Okay. Um, with all of this going on, uh, we have on the Medved Show uh, some uh, perspective, different from mine, on the Arizona election and the disputes about its results. Uh, this is Ray in Muckleteo, Washington. You're on the Medved Show. You know, Michael, I find it interesting, and please don't cut me off, okay? But you hit, you really have no business weighing in on Arizona elections, but because you're a gaslighter, because you lie about election integrity, because you lie about mail-in voting, because you lie about vaccine safety and effect, effectiveness, it doesn't surprise me that here you are trying to smear Terry Lake. All those machines in those Republican districts, people could not cast their votes. And I, I don't know why you, you, you think your audience doesn't see what's happening. You gaslight people every day. It amazes me that you, you think people are this dumb. Okay, uh, Ray, guess what? Uh, these charges have been investigated. Obviously, Carrie Lake has raised a lot of money to put forward investigations and to uh, – to, and and – by the way, in Mojave County and in uh, Cochise County, they have looked at the situation in those counties and have found zero evidence of people who were unable to vote, who's tried to vote, but whose votes weren't counted. And the idea that there were some malfunctions in some polling places and there were delays that occurred, this is exactly the kind of thing that Stacey... Uh, uh, Abrams was trying to make a very big deal of in Georgia four years ago. But uh, she basically learned her lesson, which is that, look, if you don't have immediate evidence and you can't go through a normal legal process to try to dare people to arrest you because you are trying to discredit an election and trying to prevent an election from happening, what do you think, Ray? Uh, given your expertise on this issue, uh, what should be happening differently in Arizona other than having various issues heard by courts and judges and, if necessary, by juries? What what um, should happen regarding Carrie Lake's objection to her loss? She didn't lose, number one. Okay, Michael, wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop wait, gas, hold on one moment. Okay, Ray, Ray, this is – you said she didn't lose. She lost by 17,116 votes. It wasn't even that close. Now, the reason that it's hard to question her loss 
is because other people running on her ticket, like Blake Masters, the Senate candidate, or Mark Fincham, the candidate for Secretary of State, lost by even more. This was not a good year for Republicans in Arizona, was it? Michael, down the ticket, down the ticket, Republicans won in Arizona. You're saying that everybody else just voted for Kate No, I'm Kate saying the congressmen did, uh, six of nine, six of nine congressmen did fine. But they were not people who were identified with this election denial movement, which was very costly for the people. And by the way, there was a, a candidate named Yee, who was the state treasurer in Arizona, who's a Republican, who won statewide because she had basically dissociated herself from the denial movement. She won statewide by 250,000 votes. So Michael, the fact that Michael, there were other Republicans who did better is not an argument that there was cheating. It's an argument against cheating. Because how do you do that? If, if you're cheating to try to get Democrats elected, why is it only some of the Democrats running against the election denialists who actually won? Are you are you going to cut me off again and again and again? Oh, wait a minute. I'm not cutting you off. I'm having a conversation. What do you want to say, Ray? You're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm going to say this again. <laughs> Katie Hobbs could not get 10 people to show up to a rally. Carrie Lake got thousands and thousands of people. There's not okay. a... Which is Biden couldn't get people to come out to rallies, and Trump got thousands and thousands. Uh, rallies do not equal uh, political support, and, and they, they seldom do, which is, by the way, one of the reasons that uh, they've decided in the uh, Herschel Walker campaign not to have Trump come in and hold rallies for him, right? Um, Ray, I appreciate your call, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and again, the the idea of your certainty that Carrie Lake won, it seems to me might be described graciously as wishful thinking. Here's an email that came in from William in California. He says, Michael, I am not an election denier. Biden is president. How could anyone deny it? Look at what he has done to the country. I am an election questioner. You seem to take the position that asking questions is un-American. Is that the case? I, I wouldn't say that it's un-American. I would say that it's self-destructive and that it harms your own political cause because unless you have evidence uh, for asking those questions, once an election has been settled and the Arizona election has been settled, the, uh, the uh, there's a fact check. Arizona poll watcher falsely claims there was election fraud in Maricopa County. Uh, the the idea that uh, somehow there is this secret vote uh, cheating going on, whereas Arizona voted very similarly to other states in terms of the expectations of the Republicans and how Republicans did. The the idea that uh, this was uh, different or decisive, in other words, at what point does it stop being useful uh, to be, as, as you would put it uh, in, in your email, that uh, it, it stopped being useful that you would say that it, you should be an election questioner? 
And I would say it stops being useful and starts becoming counterproductive when there is no chance, zero, of changing the result. I mean, here in the state of Washington, uh, they're doing fundraising right now to try to get a recount, to pay for a recount for Joe Kent, who lost his congressional race by 3,000. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. Try to do a recount. But the history of recounts is it seldom changes more than 100 or at most 200 votes. And people may recognize the uh, klezmer style of Eastern European Jewish music uh, in this from uh, an album that we kind of enjoy every Christmas season. It's called a klezmer Christmas. It actually uses a, a traditional Jewish music stylings to play uh, some traditional Christmas carols in a different way than you've usually heard them. Uh, and uh, yes, it does announce that this season of uh, good cheer is with us. Is that season of good cheer harmed or undermined by the conviction of the Oath Keepers in uh, their participation in the January 6th plot? As the Wall Street Journal summarizes the case, a jury yesterday convicted Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes and another member of the far-right militia group of seditious conspiracy by plotting to forcefully disrupt the peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 election. Uh, three other members of the group were found guilty on lesser charges in the closely watched trial stemming from the January 6, 2021 assault on the U.S. Capitol. After a seven-week trial in Washington, D.C. and three days of deliberations for the jury, the jury said Mr. Rhodes and one of his co-defendants, Kelly Meggs, plotted to use force to block Congress from formally certifying President Biden's election victory. Uh, three other members of the group, Jessica Watkins, Kenneth Harrelson, and Thomas Caldwell, were acquitted of the seditious conspiracy charge, but all five defendants were convicted of obstruction of an official proceeding and a number of other charges stemming from the group's activities around January 6th. Uh, for people who are questioning this verdict, and wondering how the Justice Department got this verdict uh, through. Here's a quick collage, uh, beginning with an interchange <laughs> with the one and only Alex Jones, that um, uh, involved some of these sentiments that were very publicly uh, on the media uh, put forward by uh, Stuart Rhodes, by the Oath Keeper leader and founder who was just convicted. And is there any doubt that he is working and planning and plotting and organizing and rallying people in order to stop the normal functioning of our government? Listen. You better get your ass to D.C., folks, this Saturday. Yeah, if you don't, there's, there'll be no more republic. But we're not going to let that happen. It's not even an if. It's, it's either President Trump is encouraged and, and bolstered strengthened to do what he must do, or we wind up in a, in a bloody fight. We all know that. The fight's coming. Be inside D.C., 
will also be on the outside of D.C. armed, prepared to go in if the president calls him. He needs to know from you that you are with him, that he does not do it now while he is commander-in-chief. We're going to have to do it ourselves later in a much more desperate, much more bloody war. Okay, we're talking about a, a bloody war. Does this sound like sedition? The sedition laws, including the laws on seditious conspiracy, were put into place by Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War to uh, make it clear that, no, it, it you could not, as a matter of opinion, uh, try to organize violence to overthrow the government. It's uh, a, a, a very obvious negative uh, and uh, even conceivably a treasonous negative. What, what you hear when you're talking about a very bloody war, and here's another perspective. Uh, there was an officer Dunn who was one of the heroic Capitol police officers who fought to protect the Capitol when it was invaded, uh, actually was speaking his attorney was speaking on Officer Dunn's behalf on MSNBC. And I think this perspective is also important regarding the Oath Keepers. Listen. As Glenn saw, Harry testified to what he experienced that day inside the Capitol. He ran up the stairs when he heard radio reports that there had been a shooting um, and responded to the scene within the Capitol and kept encountering these characters in, in paramilitary garb. Um, and um, what he experienced and what he saw rebutted a narrative that the defense tried to promote, that they were there to prevent violence, they were there to protect law enforcement, and his testimony, which had to be deemed credible by the jury, just shattered that defense narrative. Um, you know, for Harry Dunn and my other client, Sergeant Aquilino Gunnell, to continue to give testimony in these trials um, is so difficult, it's so triggering, it's so evocative um, and so perpetuating of some of the PTSD-like symptoms that they and other officers like Michael Fonona, Daniel Hodge, and others continue to experience. But to them, Katie, it's just another extension of public service and everything they can do to bring about accountability. That's all they want is accountability, all of these officers. And that's all we can ask for of the criminal justice system. And uh, as the journal points out, the seditious conspiracy charge and the obstruction charge uh, both carry a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison, uh, though defendants rarely receive that long a sentence. Uh, this case marks the first time the Justice Department won a court conviction at trial on charges of seditious conspiracy related to the January 6th attack, the most serious charges yet leveled on any of the defendants of the sprawling array of criminal cases connected to that event. Uh, lawyers for Mr. Rhodes told reporters after the verdict was announced that they were disappointed by the outcome but thanked the jury for its thoroughness. Quote, I do believe they gave us a fair trial, said one of Mr. Rhodes's lawyers. While three members of the group earlier pleaded guilty to seditious conspiracy in connection with the Capitol riot, Prosecutors have historically struggled to make the charge stick in previous trials. These defendants repeatedly called for the violent overthrow of the United States government, and they followed those words with action. Justice Department lawyer Catherine Rakosi uh, told jurors during closing arguments this month, this wasn't ranting and raving. Ms. Rakosi uh, told jurors this was deadly serious. 
Mr. Rhodes didn't enter the Capitol building that day, but he was seen in video footage huddling with other members outside the riot, outside after the riot. Prosecutors said he had earlier directed his followers to the area, though their lawyers and in testimony on the stand, the defendants said they didn't have a real plan for any violence. They did come to Washington, they asserted, to help perform security details for high-profile figures attending then-President Trump's Stop the Steal rally on January 6, 2021. The uh, seditious conspiracy charges against Mr. Rhodes and the 10 others are distinct from the conspiracy charges levied against dozens of other defendants on January 6th investigation. Seditious conspiracy is a rarely used statute with a much stiffer penalty directed against those who conspire to use force to overthrow the government, impede its laws, or seize its property. A conviction isn't contingent on the conspiracy being successful. Uh, the idea that there was no conspiracy there. And, and by the way, when, when people try to feel sympathy for Stuart Rhodes, you'll notice that he appears uh, in public generally with an eye patch. Uh, it's because he, he injured his own eye in a firearms accident. It is not uh, a situation as with Dan Crenshaw, the outstanding young Republican congressman from Texas, who was a Navy SEAL and wears an eye patch because he, uh, he lost an eye fighting for his country and fighting against Islamic terror. The, um, another set of Oath Keepers defendants are scheduled to stand trial, great, on seditious conspiracy charges before the end of the year, so it will be almost immediate. And then members of the far-right Proud Boys group have also been charged with seditious conspiracy and are set to stand trial next month. Okay, aside from these extreme expressions of uh, political rage that are represented by people who are now going to be seeing some significant jail time, uh, there's a general sense that our entire political system is broken. Walter Shapiro, veteran columnist, uh, somebody who's lectured in political science at Yale, has been a columnist for years for USA Today, Esquire, and covered uh, politics for the time, for Time and Newsweek, others. Walter Shapiro will be joining us. He has written about what he believes stands at the heart of America's political problems, which is the fact that we are so closely, so evenly divided in terms of our partisan alignment. It is historic. It hasn't been this way. Generally, there is one party or another that is dominant. But here we are going in again into a split Congress, a uh, Democratic Senate and a Republican U.S. House of Representatives. Why is that dangerous in the long term and destructive for our political system? We'll talk about the nation, a notion that it is with Walter Shapiro coming up. In